Oh, Andy, how lovely to talk to you. How lovely to talk to you as well. And I can't believe that you're in the middle of a 31-day tour at the um, moment. When you, sh- you should just be relaxing, taking it easy, perhaps doing a little bit of light gardening. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of light phone work with my favourite presenter, Andy. <laughs> that, that is so, so kind of you. But what you've never done, like, a show like this of your own, sort of like your own show before, no. and on the road, and you've just steamed straight in with a whole month, bang, 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 that would put a 30-year-old to, you know, to, you would think twice. Oh, but, you know, I'm 50. I would think several <laughs> times about embarking on something like this. What the heck are you doing this for, Joanna? I think it was just... it was. I do a lot of these things anyway um, to raise money for theatres and to raise money for charities, you know, an evening with or lunchtime with. And then you, you talk, you know, 50 minutes about your life and then take questions from the floor. So that's pretty much what this is, except it's divided into two halves. The first part, I talk about my career in a very sort of lighthearted way about modelling and Bond films, Dracula, Coronation Street. New Avengers, AbFab. And then after the interval, um, Clive Tallow, who's my producer on all the travel shows I do, joins me on stage, he's a very funny man, and fields questions from the audience, which are all written down on cards. And then we just talk about whatever they whatever they bring up, you know, whatever they want to know. This was one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, mm. because you get to meet some fantastically interesting people. Mm. And the one that's always stuck in my mind, I don't know whether she comes up on your, on, on your shows when you do it, was the, the woman who lived on a Greek island. She's, she subsisted all on her own, just eating wild asparagus. From, Wasn't that extraordinary? From what I can remember. The village was uh, was abandoned. Everybody had left to go to the big city and try to get work there. This little tiny village. And she stayed there because she liked it. She didn't mind the solitude. She had her cats and birds and chickens and things. And she went out foraging. And it was completely by chance that we came across her. And she said, come out with me into the, into the hills. We'll pick some asparagus. She showed me which ones to pick. I've never picked wild asparagus before. Then she'd come back, and she had nothing. But, of course, in all the poorest countries in the world, you know, um, they give you the best they have. So she cooked me up a bowl of this fabulous wild asparagus with oil and salt on it. It was just enchanting. She was bewitching with her great pale blue eyes. Fierce character. When you meet people, you obviously you meet people from all walks of life. So you meet very rich people. You meet very poor people. Mm. Would you? Who would you say was? You know, what kind of lifestyle gives people the happiest life? Well, not obviously not when they're in absolute destitution. But there's something extraordinary about this. Is I've noticed, and it might be disproved at some stage in the future, is that the poorer people are, the more they give you. They will open their homes to you. They want you to have the only food they've got on the table. They want you to have the best seat in the house so everybody else will sit on the floor if you sit on a little cushion by the side. They are unbelievably generous. And it seems to me that as we get richer, we tend to sit on our hands a bit more and kind of think, oh, they'll have to get by, you know. I don't know what it is. So I think in a funny way, extreme wealth can um, distort your view of the world. And I found the most generous and most open people, particularly in, for instance, a country like Iran or a country like Georgia, where they've been cut off, really, from the outside world for quite a long time. They do thrilled to meet you, want to give you everything, offer you everything, share everything with you. In Iran, sometimes even taking food from their own plates to put it onto your plate so that you could taste something. And uh, just uh, unbelievable in a way that we've, we seem to have almost forgotten in this country. Here we tend to tend to lock our houses and keep our hands in our pockets more than they do in these countries. It was just a joy, you know. Have you got a favourite place in the world that you would go back to time and time again? Oh, there are so many, Andy. There's so many. 
And the, the truth is, is that you hardly ever can get back to them because these are faraway places. Tashrabat, which was this incredible monastery, miles away in Kyrgyzstan, it, was, it had been a monastery or a fortress or a caravanserai. Nobody really knew when it was built, the 10th century, the 15th century. And it was completely haunted and absolutely strange and amongst the mountains. And it was very, very beautiful there. And I thought I'd love to walk for days in these mountains with my beloved husband and go to Tashrabat in the, in the midnight with a candle and see, see the ghosts there and step outside in the moonlight. I mean, extraordinary places. But I'd go tomorrow back to Tbilisi in Georgia, the capital of Georgia. Beautiful, stunning, friendly city. Wonderful food, delicious wines, generosity. Lovely place. These are the places that we're traditionally sort of in the news and the media. We're told to be scared of, aren't they? So, I know, isn't it funny? Do you, uh, do, you know, do you get worried when you go to places? Because obviously you get, you know, until you've visited somewhere, you can only pick up an idea of the place from what other people say about it. Mm. And all those places you've mentioned mm. are traditionally places that in the news we think, oh, I would never want to go there. That's true. Um, we never go to anywhere where there is conflict because it puts us, it puts every, everybody in danger, particularly the fixers, the people we're talking to on the ground who are taking care of us. And if their lives are jeopardized by us coming along and behaving badly or doing something stupid or being, being captured or killed, it would all reflect on them. So we're always careful about never going to places in real conflict. And quite a lot of the things, if you remember right back in the, in the bad old days when there were bombs in London. People would say, oh, you must leave London now. And you go, no, the bomb was up in Notting Hill Gate. We're just down the road. So it didn't affect us. And we went on living in London. And that's just the same when people say, you know, bullet-torn Tbilisi. You go, no, it, it was bullet-torn. It's not bullet-torn now. But we tend on the news to get only sensational bits of something that's happened you know and when you get there it's actually fine so I'm a, I'm a great one for believing who's on the ground and when they say no it's okay it's safe you can come I believe them and off we go and I think it's fair to say you've led a charmed life because everything has gone right for you all the time hasn't it well yes but, well ev- eventually when <laughs> eventually when I was about 30 and got to the part in the new Avengers but until then trying to get work was pretty hard as an actress so you scrimp around I've never I've never been poor. I know what poor is. I've been to the country, so I know what poor is. Poor is living on the ground, literally on the earth, and having two bottles, one with oil and one with water in. That's poor. So I'd never be so cheeky as to say I've been poor, but I've been skint when you can't afford any food and so you eat Marmite toast, you know, can't afford the laundrette and things like that. So you wash everything in the bath and let it drip around the house. Um, But we've all been there. That's not poor. I mean, that's not sad news. It's just how it is when you're young and poor. Skint, rather. And let's not knock Marmite toast, because there's nothing, adore it. nothing wrong with Marmite on toast I ever. eat it every day now. I adore it. <laughs> I love it. We, we were having a discussion about this. Marmite spaghetti is also a thing, if you've never tried that. I've never tried that. Marmite spaghetti is a thing, and it is wonderful. <laughs> Listen, we're going to come and see you. You're at Southampton uh, O2 Guildhall on Friday the 2nd of November, then Bournemouth International Centre Saturday the 3rd, and then Portsmouth Guildhall on Sunday the 4th. You're just doing non-stop, aren't you? Do you get any nights off at all? We do. Just um, about every six days, after six shows, we get one night off. And um, usually one goes back to London and slightly dizzied with kind of, you know, that's when you do your washing and put your makeup bag again and get everything sorted and up on the road again. But it'll be gone in a flash, Andy, and I'll be sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm missing it now. 
It's just so heavenly meeting people from all over the country who are dear enough to have bought tickets. I thought I was going to have to go out and buy people, give people money to come and see the show. (laughs) One more question before we let you go. What is the secret to eternal youth? Because you obviously have it. Oh, Andy, keep smiling. Keep your heart alight. Look around the world. It's full of beauty. Be kind. Keep smiling.